0: All right, well, it is uh, the first Sunday in January, so uh, you know. You know we got to talk about New Year's resolutions, right? It's just like, it's just the thing you do at the beginning of January. In fact, a lot of people don't like New Year's resolutions. I've realized, I've asked a lot of people, they're like, nah, I don't make those anymore. Uh, mainly because I never keep them. But I did do a little bit of research on this, and apparently 76% of Americans said that they will make a New Year's resolution, or at least a goal for the new year, or some kind of vague commitment to uh, progress in some generic way, right? 76, that's that's quite a bit. Three-fourths of us have, as we look into this new year, an idea of how we want to make ourselves better. But what is so interesting is that there has been an alarming trend in how these resolutions have developed. And in recent studies, uh, this is from last year, um, nearly two out of five, two out of five Americans rated their mental health as only fair or poor. Two out of five. More than one in four, though, uh, uh, reported that they anticipated experiencing more stress at the start of 2023, last year. So I imagine this year it's gone even uh, higher than that. At the same time, 29% of American adults indicated they'd adopt New Year's resolutions related to their mental health. And they listed all of these statistics on what kind of resolutions people were making in regards to their attempt to address these mental health issues. And so, not surprising, 65% said that they'd exercise more, right? And we get that one. That's pretty normal. Uh, But 45% said that they wanted to start meditating, they wanted to start spending time alone, quiet moments. Thirty-eight percent said that they wanted to see a therapist. Thirty-eight percent, one in three, a little bit more than that, wanted to see uh, seek professional help for the mental issues, mental health issues that were popping up in their life. Thirty-seven percent said they wanted to focus on spirituality. Interesting. said they wanted to take a break from social media. 28% said they wanted a journal. 23% said they wanted to use a mental health app. And 21% said they would see a psychiatrist. So what do all of these stats show us? That as we turn the page to a new year, what we are seeing is a society, a culture, in which we are a part of that is stretched out to the max, that is so overwhelmed and stressed out because of the busyness in our life that now we don't look forward to positive building up of ourselves, but rather addressing the negative impacts that have popped out from a chaotic pace of life that we've kept up for quite some time. That's what these stats are telling us, that we are being worn down by the busyness in our lives. In fact, in 2018, a Pew Research survey revealed that six in ten adults in the US feel feel too busy to enjoy life. Six in ten feel too busy to enjoy life. That is a concerning number. And as believers in God, we believe in a God that, that loves us, that provides for us, that protects us. That, that loves us so much he sent his own spirit to dwell within us. And even so, we are not immune from our cultural tendencies to be stressed out with how busy we make ourselves because we live at such a chaotic pace, right? We're still prone to the same damaging effects that, that, that stress can cause as we as we begin to take on too much in our lives or maybe even external circumstances start to overwhelm us and we start to crack mentally we start to break down and we usually have negative ways of coping with those with that stress right we, we start to maybe lash out other people we, we turn to unhealthy addictions we start to feel burnt out and overwhelmed and all this to say is is when we get too busy not Not only does it negatively impact all kinds of our mental, emotional health, but it also starts to impact the amount of time we spend with God. Because the more time that we spend in the busyness and the chaos of everyday life, the less time we feel like we have to spend with our creator, the one whom we were designed to communion with. And so this morning, what we wanted to talk about is the benefit of being still, Something that as Americans, I feel like is is kind of a struggle, right? It's kind of a terrifying thought to be absolutely still in quiet and in solitude and sit before the presence of God in order to listen to him, in order to rest in his presence. It sounds wonderful, but also it sounds weird, right? It sounds strange to stop, to stop moving for a second and just sit Weird. And so today, we're going to be talking about stillness or purposefully slowing down and spending time in God's presence and listening to him. And my hope for us this morning is that this year, as we start to plan ahead, that instead of setting goals and resolutions to max out our schedules and engage with even more busyness, that we'd actually set a goal to not do anything. That we'd set a goal to to set aside time to spend time with God in our, in our schedules. We'd slow down enough to create space in which to rest and be in his presence and listen to what he might be trying to tell us. So if you got a Bible, we're going to be eventually in the book of Mark. You can go ahead and turn there. Uh, I wanted to set up a bit of what stillness means as we turn to Mark. We're going to be in there a little bit later on. But yeah, my hope for us today is that we can, we learn how to introduce moments of stillness into our life so we can listen to God and enjoy his presence in the midst of life's chaotic moments. And, and I think when we, when we do this, when we do this with intentionality, we'll notice it has a dramatic impact on the way that we live our lives, the way we feel about ourselves, the way we understand our own identity in God and how we treat other people. Whether that's at home or in the workplace, wherever that is, it's going to have a dramatic impact on us. But first, three verses uh, to show you that throughout the Bible, there are littered moments in which God commands us or the people in context to be still and to recognize that He is God. The most famous one, which maybe you've heard of, from Psalm 46, God says, be still and know that I am God. You've probably seen this on uh, a, a sign in someone's kitchen somewhere, right? You've seen this in living rooms. You've seen, you may, maybe this is on your like phone background. It's a popular verse, but what is so interesting about this psalm in particular is that the background of this psalm is war, is violence, is the rage of nations against Israel, Right, it's not, it's not, you know, you, you got a few emails, right? And they're starting to stress you out because, oh, I have like so many that came back from break and now I got to deal with this, right? It's not that, it is It is global conflict uh, and we got in the midst of this is talking to these foreign nations and saying, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted, and this is the next part, among the nations, right? There's this idea that in the midst of striving, in the midst of jockeying for for power and for resources, and in order to gain those resources, violence towards other nations, that they stop, that they be still and recognize that their true purpose, and that is to worship God, to understand God is the authority in this world, and that in their striving, they have missed the point of their existence and they've actually gone against that and started to do violence and and create war create battle against those made in the image of god here god is saying be still know that i am god in another instance you have exodus 14 which you guys know is when god parts the red sea right you remember that one one of the most famous miracles in all of the Bible. And in the context, what is happening is God has taken the nation of Israel out of slavery. He's parading them through the desert with tornado, a pillar of fire, and a pillar of cloud. And, and it's just like this, this amazing sequence of events. And then suddenly what happens is Pharaoh, the leader of the, the Egyptians, says, "Nah." uh and he chases them out into the wilderness. And in a brilliant tactical move from his advantage, he's pinned them against the sea. They have nowhere else to go. They cannot flee. In fact, even if they could flee, they don't have like any soldiers. They were a nation of slaves, right? They're not fighters. And in the midst of this, uh, I don't have it on the screen, but it's so, it's so sad. But the nation of Israel essentially cries out to God and says, were there not enough graves in Egypt? that you brought us out to die here in the desert. And Moses or I should say God through Moses says, "Hey, in this moment the Lord will fight for you and you can be still." Right? You're busy worrying about your, your lives, and that's understandable, right? There's an army, like that is a legitimate threat, like I, I get it, but at the same time, God just delivered you from these Egyptians. He took you out of that nation. He demonstrated his power through those plagues, and he is providing for you. He's given you promises. This God is your protection and your power, so stop worrying, be still, and behold the power of God in this moment. He parts the Red Sea, they walk through, and he wipes out the Egyptian army. Another one in Job 37 says this, Pay attention to this Job, stand still, and consider the wonders God works. Now, if you know the story of Job, you understand his story is one of grief and loss, intense grief and loss. If anyone had a reason for for, for grieving and questioning the justice and goodness of God, surely it would have been him. And yet, still in this moment, God calls out to him as he answers, because Job, for the last several chapters, has essentially been questioning, God, where are you in this? Are you good? Are you just? Where is the justice of God? Why do bad things happen to good people? And in the midst of this, God tells him, stand still and consider the wonders of God works right? You you have been consumed by your grief to the degree in which you've lost focus on the Lord. You've lost focus on what is important so stand still and now consider the works, the wonders that God works. And in. in all three of these we see that the principle is the same, to be still. And that's pretty simple. It's just to cease from activity, not moving, not striving, not working, not doing, not worrying, not stressing, not being busy with action, not trying to accomplish, none of that, but simply standing still and watching and reflecting and listening and beholding the power of God in action as he works his will in the the lives of these people. And so if we had to define it, stillness, as we talk about it today, is entering into a state of inactivity in order to see the activity of God. It's us watching and learning and listening and observing a wonderful God moving and working in our lives and in the lives of those around us, in our world and around us, in all of our circumstances. And it encourages us to take our focus off what we are doing and focus instead on what God is doing. It's a removal of focus on the self so that we can reorient ourselves to God himself. That is the point of stillness. And like I've said, for for the nations in Psalm 46, it was a, a focus off of trying to scrounge and jockey for power and resources and positions as nations in this world. And instead, take a step back, recognize God as authority, submit to him, worship him. In Exodus 14, same thing for, for Israel, that even though they're worried about their lives and worried about everything that the Egyptian army will come for them and make them do, possibly kill them, possibly enslave them again, that they take a step back and behold the power of God in his loving, caring goodness that he will care for them. And same thing for Job. And so, for us in the midst of busyness, right, in the midst of our chaotic schedules and in, our, in, our, in the midst of all that we have going on in our life, the principle remains the same that we would take a step back, that we would be still, that we'd be inactive, and instead focus our attention and our, our, our very nature of the soul on a God who cares and loves for us to the point where he will actively show his goodness and love to us in our life. And when we talk about stillness, there's three things that we're going to talk about today. They're all three what we call spiritual disciplines, these practices we put in our lives in order to develop a deeper relationship with God. And and three of them we'll talk about in particular that I think would benefit us so much if we started to implement these in how we live our life. The first one, slowing down, right, taking a break, freeing up time on our schedule, and then finding solitude, space to be alone with God. And finally, practicing silence, that we turn off and get away from all the noise in our life and we simply listen and wait for the Lord. Like I said, spiritual disciplines. This is all three of them, spiritual disciplines. We, we can kind of be confused on what that means. It sounds, uh, it sounds weird. It sounds interesting. So what is a spiritual discipline? Well, it's really any practice, action, or habit that intentionally seeks a deeper relationship with God. You know Prayer, you know, worship, you know, service, you know, Bible study, all these things are spiritual disciplines that we practice, we put in our lives in order to develop a deeper relationship with the Lord. And so as we look at slowing down and finding solitude and being silent, that's the goal that we would, we would practice these things in order to deepen our experience of the richness of God's goodness and his grace in our life. All right? So that is what we're aiming to do. And as we talk about slowing down, I understand it, it, it sounds just like good advice. Like it sounds like something you'd hear in a self-help book. Like any self-help book or blog that you read, you know, you should slow down. But when we treat this as a spiritual discipline, it comes to life to an even greater degree for us, right? It is an intentional reduction of our pace, right? It is an intentional slowing down of our schedule, of freeing up our time and our day and lightening our load. And you guys get this because for the past month and a half, you guys have been running at an insane pace, Right? I don't know about I don't know when you start to decorate for Christmas or celebrate the holidays, but we're one of those like ra right for Halloween families that as soon as it's over, like the Christmas tree's coming up, all the Christmas decorations are getting uh, out. We'll take them out of the attic where they've been for so long, and we're just questioning what's even up there anymore. And, you know, we put it all up, and it looks brilliant, wonderful. And then, you know, after that's done, we, we start to set up these plans for Thanksgiving, and we invite different kind of people over. We got a friend. Thanksgiving, and then we go to our own family's Thanksgiving. You start to travel out of town. We, you know, do all of these things. And after Thanksgiving's over, then suddenly it's the Christmas season, and now we got to go shopping for presents, and we're on Amazon. There's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, right? Then you got your Christmas uh, party at your, you know, whatever, your job, your work, whatever it is. You got different Christmas parties going around. You're traveling for Christmas, right? Again, you're getting the kids in the car. You're trying to make sure everyone's good and safe, and you're traveling to Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio wherever it is to visit family and and then you got to go visit the other family and maybe another family and then you make it back home and then suddenly you got year-end stuff at work you got to wrap up some projects you got to do inventory and then after all that's over you got to do your new year's eve party and then after that oh, it's amazing you made it to church today right like, it's it's incredible we're all even here and what we understand is is In this season, we just run ourselves ragged with trying to be happy and and joyful and cheerful. And for most of that time, it is good, right? It is good. And we love Christmas. But as soon as January hits, we're like, oh, there's nothing to look forward to anymore. Not for 10 more months, right? And... In the midst of this, my thought is, what if, as we approach this new year, what if we just make it a point to slow down and be still before the Lord? And I think the first thing, I think the first benefit of this when we slow down is it reduces our addiction to busyness. And and I don't know about everyone in this room, but you know, it is a common problem, right? That statistic I, I read at the beginning, six to 10 adults feel their lives are too busy to enjoy life. I think it's because we have an addiction to the busyness in our life. Why is that? Why, why, do we, why do we strive so much? Why do we why do we care so much? Why are we so busy? Well, I, I think it's because busyness, and, and and once again, we you can't be, you're gonna be busy sometimes, right? It's it's not about that. It's about busy being busy all the time. And I think that can become its own form of idolatry, right? Because some of us, we, des- we derive our self worth from our productivity, from our accomplishments in our life, saying I, I am valuable and I'm, I'm wanted and I'm needed because of the effort that I put in, because I have a purpose and I'm a contribute in that way. Some of us, we wanna feel needed and wanted by other people and so we sacrifice all kinds of, of ourselves, our time, resources, energy in order to, to be there for people and, and when we're there for so many people, we start to get overwhelmed. But in both of those situations, we're deriving our self-worth from what we can do, and the more we can do, the more valuable we become, and that makes us want to jam-pack our schedules, our weeks, our days, with efforts to become more valuable to the people around us. And it starts to overwhelm us over time. And so what slowing down does is it breaks that addiction to busyness, and it surrenders those Forms of self-worth and identity to the Lord, saying, I have tried so hard to find my purpose in what I can do, but God has called me to find my purpose in who I am in Christ. And this God requires no works on my part to To be saved, right? He has sent his own son. He's done all the work. Jesus died on a cross for our sins so that we could place our faith in him for forgiveness of those sins and enjoy a relationship with God forever. God has done. God has worked. God has acted. And he says, just receive this free gift. Stop striving. Stop working. Be still and know me. It breaks our addiction to busyness when we start to place our purpose and identity not in what we do, but in God himself. when we recognize, you know, busyness doesn't happen accidentally, right? It's not like suddenly you turn 30 years old and you have 48 appointments, right? It's not like, it's not like it happens suddenly, but it builds up over time, right, as we gradually allow more and more and more things into our schedule. Uh, it becomes somewhat of an addiction for us that we have a hard time getting away from. And so when we slow down, we sacrifice that time, right? Uh, for, for ancient Israel, right, they would bring animals to sacrifice. They would, they, would, they would bring animals to the temple to sacrifice and worship God. And I think for us, with our, when it comes to sacrifice before the Lord, one of the biggest resources that we are given is our time on this planet. And one of the, the most worthy sacrifices in our relationship with God is that time in order to spend it with him. And when we do this, it frees up that time to spend with God. And I, I think it's, it's interesting. So many times in ministry, I've met with, with people, You know, as a former youth pastor, now college pastor, usually young people, and I'll ask him, you know, what, what's your time with the Lord been like? How is your relationship with God developing? And, and almost every single time, I'd say 95% of the time, it's, it's always, oh, man, you know, you know, I, I, want, I want that, but I've just been so busy. I got told that by an eighth grader one time. <laughs> I was like, you don't even know what's coming, um, you're right? It's always, but I'm, I'm just so busy now with college students, and, and I'm, I, I look at some college students, and, and they truly are. They're so busy, but, but man, I'm like, you, man, it's going to get even more than this, right? It's, it's, it never stops. We, we keep building up and building up, but it always makes me think of this one quote by Corey Ten Boom, where it, she says, you know, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. I don't know if you've heard that one before, It hurts. It hurts me, right? Uh, It hurts a lot of us. Because for most of us, we understand, you know, sin is bad. Break those addictions. Break those patterns. But the busyness one, that's hard to let go of. And that's a difficult one. But the point she's making is, hey, it doesn't matter what form of distraction the devil uses. However he gets you away from God is his strategy. He can use sin, addiction, whatever it is but it's much easier to use busyness. It's much easier to use work to get us away from the creator who made us and designed us for himself. And that works so well because when we're we're busy, we're so distracted from spending time with God that we lose that sense of purpose and identity with him. But when we slow down, it frees up that time to spend with God. It also frees up our time to spend with other people, right? One of the the main ways in which we display the love of God on this planet with our time is when we love other people but when we're stressed out to the max when we're about to break when we have zero time for interruptions whether that's at home or at work man we we struggle to do that well we struggle to love people in the midst of those interruptions at the grocery store in traffic you know what i'm talking about right those difficult moments where man 30 seconds means the world and if someone may cost us those 30 seconds man, we get mad at that right we lose control and this point right here is, is, is that when we free up time to spend with other people, we are experiencing life in the present moment rather than always focusing on the future. Classic example, if you've seen any 90s movie ever made, is you have that kid and his basketball game. He's like, dad, you going to make it to my basketball game? He's like, I'm sorry, son, I have to work, you know? And, and at the last moment, at the end of the movie, it's his second basketball game. Dad totally missed the first one. The second one, the dad shows up as he's doing that like last second jump shot. He's like, yeah, freeze frame. You know, that happens all the time. That classic example, yeah, you know, dad misses the game. Uh, But we, the whole point of that is we become so preoccupied with the future, we forget to love those in the present. And we understand that there is importance to what we do. But when it costs us our opportunities to love those around us, then it comes at too great of cost. Uh, The Navy SEALs have uh, a mantra I don't know if you've heard this mantra, but they have a mantra, uh, and it's slow is smooth and smooth is fast. It makes no sense, right? Uh, eventually, you're connecting two dots and saying that slow is fast, if you um, connect the logic there. And what they mean by this is in the midst of stressful situations, uh, when uh, you're in the midst of, I guess, a firefight, and you're, you're trying to figure out what to, what to do and what's going on and how to react. When you go too fast, then you're prone to make mistakes. You're prone to go the wrong way, do the wrong thing, slip up. But when you go slow, you make smooth, deliberate Actions, your margin for error drops greatly, and you're able to move in a way that is efficient and effective. And you actually become faster when you slow down a little bit. The reason why I tell you that is when we slow down, not only does it free us our time to spend with God, but it also makes us better at living our lives in the present moment because we're able to make deliberate actions. And and make wise decisions instead of running from one thing to the next. Okay, we finally made it to Mark. We made it. We're going to do this, all right? Um, So we've talked about stillness. we talked about slowing down. We're going to talk about finding solitude. And what I love about solitude is the way that Mark shows us that Jesus does this in the first chapter of Mark. So if you are still in Mark uh, chapter 1, we're going to be in verse 35, which says this. Then Jesus got up early in the morning, when it was still very dark, departed and went out to a deserted place, and there he spent time in prayer. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. He replied, let us go elsewhere into the surrounding villages so that I can preach there too, for that is what I came here to do. So he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And if you've ever read the Gospel of Mark, you would know that it is the, the shortest Gospel of the four. And, and what I love about Mark is the emphasis is always on action. He, you know, if At the start of almost every paragraph is immediately, immediately, the next day, now, Jesus is moving from place to place to place, and it seems like there's no break in action. Yet in the midst of this action-packed Gospel, we get this moment where Jesus is pulling away to go be in an isolated place, in a deserted place, so that he can spend time with God. And I think this is not in, so intentional on behalf of Marcus, he's showing us something incredibly important to the ministry and life of Jesus. And, and let's be clear, like Jesus is sent by God to have an amazing impact on this earth, right? eventually dying for the sins of all people. But during his public ministry, I mean, he is going around places. He's preaching about the kingdom of God. He's teaching, showing people God. He's casting out demons. He's, he's healing the sick, right? If anyone had a right to busyness in their life, it would have been him, right? Everything he's doing is having an amazing impact. He's not making any mistakes out there. Right? His life is full of purpose, and yet, even still, Jesus pulls away from that important ministry. Why? Because he knows he needs time with his father. And that's what I I love about this text is it shows us even the son of God needed to find solitude. Even the son of God needed to be alone, to pull away from the important busyness of life and be with his father. And I love how Simon Peter reacts when he finds them. He's like, essentially, what are you doing? Everyone is looking for you. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken a nap and woken up to a text message that said something like that, but it would be pretty stressful, I imagine. And in this moment, I mean, like, everyone is looking for you. Like, we, where did you go? You have so much to do. There's sick people. There's people with demons. There's people that gotta know. We got important stuff. And Jesus essentially says, let's do it. Let's go. And what we notice in that moment is that he pulled away, found solitude in order to be refreshed and renewed and then jumps right back in. And I think that's what it shows us is this heart of the son needing his father. But as he prepares for even more ministry, he needs that moment where he can be refreshed before he goes right back into more. And he actually teaches his disciples to do the same thing. If you want to flip to Mark chapter 6, he essentially shows them, yes, we all need this in our life. And in verse 30, it says this. Then the apostles gathered around Jesus and told them everything they had done and taught. They were out doing much, right? A lot of good ministry. And he said to them, come with me privately to an isolated place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and there was no time to eat. So they went away by themselves in a boat to some remote place. And the same thing is true here, right? The disciples have joined in with Jesus in his ministry. They're healing. They're casting out demons. They're preaching. They're doing important work. In fact, they're so busy, they don't even have time to eat. And Jesus says, come away to an isolated place and rest. We need this. Even though everything we're doing is good and amazing, we need alone time. We need to be rejuvenated. We need to spend time with the Father in prayer and in silence. And Jesus finds it necessary to pull them away and find solitude and a time to be refreshed. And And I think when we read these verses, what we see in Mark, once again, an action-packed gospel, is that Even in the midst of of good busyness, right? Even in the midst of of busyness that can be described as as amazing, we're doing amazing things. We're contributing and loving people in in fantastic ways. But even in the midst of that, right? we need to be alone with God. We need to be alone, away from other people, if you didn't know what alone meant. And a lot of the introverts are like, finally, I told you guys, right? It's in the Bible. (laughs) And all the extroverts are like, no, you can't make me, right? Uh... But even in this, right, finding solitude, what does it do? It reduces our addiction to always needing to be somewhere with someone doing something. And it frees us up to be alone with God and it allows us to rest. In his presence. And the reason why this is so important is that we are made for a relationship with our Heavenly Father, right? Our, our souls find our, our rest in him, right? We find our purpose and identity in him. And spending time with him, being refreshed and renewed and resting in his presence is a salve for our souls in which we go through life and we get nicked and we get dinged and we get paper cut, we get scratched, we get torn up. But when we spend time with him, it's a time of mending for us, a time of restoration for us. And the longer we go without it, the more likely we are to be overwhelmed and to break down and to forget who we are in Christ. And when we find solitude, The last thing we'll talk about is practicing silence. I love this passage in 1 Kings where God is talking to Elijah, and he says this. I'll read it for you. He says, the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Look, the Lord is ready to pass by. Big moment, right? He doesn't do this often. And it says, a very powerful wind went before the Lord, digging into the mountain, causing landslides, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the windstorm, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his robe and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. And what this is saying is God is capable of awesome, great power. You see it throughout the Old and New Testament, miracles that only God can perform being done. He's showing us his power, but God more often communicates in the silent moments, in the soft whispers, rather than the explosions and the sea partings, right? And when we're too busy to stop and listen, we often miss the moments where God is trying to talk to us. And we miss them all the time because we're not silent even for a few minutes a day to just stop and ask God, what are you trying to show me in my life? What are you trying to teach me? And even in our quiet times. We spend that whole time reading. We spend that whole time praying. We do great, great things, but we spend all of our time extroverting things at God rather than just patiently being silent and listening to him. I think that is something we're all missing in our devotion to God, slowing down, finding solitude, and practicing silence. Because when we do this, it reduces our addiction to noise, and we often realize, you know, at the end of the day, how much we, 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 how much noise we're just surrounded by. Just close your eyes for a minute or you can look at the screen. And just imagine you are asleep, all is well, you're cozy, everything's good, and then this happens. That's coffee. stressed out already, right? I just <laughs> completely destroyed this message by doing that. The point of that, right? All moments of our day are filled with noise, are filled with distraction and filled with all of this noise. In fact, we, we are addicted to noise, right? I know so many people, they can't be at home without the TV on or without some music on because like it's quiet, too quiet right it's it's scary we even we go to sleep we turn on white noise right cuz even when we're trying to sleep we can't stand the silence it's terrifying and so when we practice silence we Reduce that addiction to noise. And not just sounds, but also all kinds of distractions. Everything that really happens on your phone, social media, emails, text, phones, uh, phone calls, everything. When we practice silence, what that does is give us time to listen and to reflect on what God has done and is doing and is trying to do in our lives. And it teaches us patience. Why? Because when you're silent and you're waiting for God, he doesn't automatically talk to you, right? And that's what we hate about it, because we want results, and we want them now. And when we spend time in silence, what often happens is God lets us wait. He lets us just be quiet. And removes all of that noise in, in order to refocus and reorient us to himself, but it involves a great amount of patience, which is a part of the fruit of the spirit that we tend to gloss over all the time, right? We're like, yeah, love, joy, peace, love them. Yeah, they're great. Patience, ew. Uh, Not so good at that one, right? Um, That's someone else. Um, But the point of this is when we are silent, we allow our minds to simply be with God and listen to what he's saying. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Ben, this this is good, right? This is fine. But I got like, 12 kids at home, right? There's no quiet moments. When I try to go to the bathroom, they all follow me in there, right? What are you suggesting I do? Like run away? No. Uh, other people are like, I work 60 plus hours a week. I am stressed. I am trying to create value for this company. I'm trying to lead people. I'm trying to create jobs. I'm trying to keep, help people keep jobs. I can't just step away from that and back up from that. Others of us, were so engaged with activities and organizations and social events. And the truth is, there's always something to do. There's always somewhere to go, someone to be with, errands, chores, works, tasks all the time, on repeat, for the rest of your life. Sorry, it's the hard truth. And so for us, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, this is the discipline part of this, that it doesn't come easy, it's something we have to try, it's something we have to create in our schedules, we have to be purposeful and intentional, creating gaps, starting small, five minutes a day, then 10 minutes a day, maybe one hour a week, maybe just one hour a month, start small, create some gap, create some space, be quiet, find solitude, Feel that refreshment in the Lord and practice these disciplines. And trust me, it's not easy. I tried it this week. And what's so funny, I'm I'm writing, this is Friday, I'm writing this message. And 10 a.m. Friday morning, our power goes out. Only house on the street. Only house in the neighborhood. I don't know what happened. Probably some rambunctious squirrel got a hold of our power line. For four hours... We had no power. Savannah took the baby, went somewhere warm, and I was alone in the quiet darkness, the silence. And I said, you know, this is not just a coincidence that I'm writing a message on silence and solitude and the power goes out and I'm left alone at home with nothing else to do or watch or listen to except this message. If that isn't the voice of the Lord, I don't know And so I said, I'm going to put my phone down for as long as I can and just be quiet, not try to do anything. Just be quiet, be silent. And immediately, I noticed my thinking. I was just like, wow, I am having such a hard time concentrating and focusing. My my thinking is chaotic. And after I I eventually started to slow down and just start to focus and start to wait and be patient, I was like, man, it's been forever. How long has it been? 10 minutes. That's a good place to start, right? That's a great place to start. Let's not overdo it. But I think in that, the whole point of that is, is we understand it is so easy to spend an hour on your phone. All right, hours go by every night, just turn to the easiest thing possible, just for distraction, just for those dopamine hits that are so consistent. But five minutes alone in silence is very challenging. We're alone with our thoughts, we're alone with ourselves, and we just process. But the point of all this is it is worth the challenge Being able to rest in the Lord, find solitude, find that silent moment. And what you realize over time is a deeper intimacy with God, a greater ability to receive and listen to what he's trying to tell you, and a greater awareness of how you think, where your mind naturally gravitates to, where you are addicted to busyness and noise and accomplishment and productivity. And as we sacrifice those everyday common addictions in order to spend time with God, what we notice is we find rest for our soul. We find an intimacy with the creator who designed us for himself, and we feel that sense of purpose and and desire for him, that devotion for him, ignite and be fanned into flame so that we can enjoy not only that relationship, but the lives he's given us to live in the present moment. So my challenge for you is find some time this week to do that. I'm gonna invite the band back up and before we we do uh, another song, we're gonna actually practice this right now. Uh, It's ambitious, I know, uh, but what they're gonna do is they're gonna come up here and they're just gonna be here. For for a few moments, what we're gonna do is give you uh, a, a gap in the noise and the preaching and the worship and we're just gonna let you be quiet. We're gonna let silence fill this room and i want you to just think about or pray i should say god is there anything you're trying to show me i'm not guaranteeing you're going to hear the audible voice of god but i do think it is a great place to start so a few moments to yourself in complete silence after a while they're going to or i'll i'll come back up and pray us out and they'll lead us in another song so put some time on the clock let's be silent